Welcome to the Next Level Human Podcast. As a human, you have a job to do. In fact, you have four jobs. To earn and manage money, to attain and maintain health and fitness, to build and sustain personal relationships, to find meaning and make a difference. None of these jobs are taught in school. And that is what this podcast is designed to do. To educate us all on living our most fulfilled lives through the mastery of these four jobs. I'm your host, Dr. Jade Tita, and I believe we are here living this life for three reasons and three reasons only. To learn, to teach, and to love. In this podcast, I will be learning, teaching, and loving right along with you. I'm grateful to have your company. Here's to our next level. Welcome to the show, everybody. Today we are going to be, well, you know, it's hard to know what this is. This uh, episode is going to be like. It's probably going to be a lot of review. For those of you who have um, listened to the podcast and all of the episodes, which uh, many of you have, uh, you're going to, this episode is kind of going to be a review. But the reason I'm doing it is because you know, one of the things that I do and um, I appreciate is I get DMs all the time. I get emails to um, support and usually the DMs are via Instagram or Facebook Messenger and support at JTita is my company's um, support email. And I get a lot of DMs and emails and things of this nature and sometimes just a lot of texts from friends that say, hey, do, will you do a podcast on this? And then every once in a while, um, you know, the same themes pop up over and over again, especially from people who are listening to the podcast. Now, as you know, if you're a listener of the podcast, I tend to jump back and forth between mainly metabolism and weight loss, uh, one of my areas of expertise, and then self-development, my other area of expertise. And I tend to focus on obviously the four jobs, right? So, um, earning and managing and saving money. So, you know, like finances. And I don't do a whole lot with that. I might start doing more of that. Um, but obviously health and fitness, that's another job. Personal relationships I do a lot with and purpose and meaning I do a lot with. But the metabolism stuff is still the stuff that is most confusing for people. So the question that I've been getting lately is, Jade, what is considered healthy? What should I be doing? And so we're going to talk about this a little bit. I'm going to frame it in the context of um, my other company, uh, Metabolic Living. Um, this idea of how to live metabolically, living metabolically or metabolic living, what exactly does this mean? And I'm just going to take it from this perspective because I think this is another way of looking at um, living and eating and exercising for health and fitness. A lot of what I'm going to talk about today is going to be reviewed, but I think hopefully I'll come at it from a slightly different perspective and you'll begin to understand why I think we all should be thinking about more um, thinking metabolically and how to live, quote, metabolically and eat metabolically and exercise metabolically and what that means as opposed to health. So let's talk about that here in just a minute. One of the reasons I think this is important before we start getting into what should we be doing is to understand that we have to be kind of careful in the current environment that we're in. That environment is an environment where people don't agree on what is healthy and what is not. And in fact, um, nutrition has become a lot like politics and religion. There's a lot of vitriol, a lot of uh, you know, sort of definitive camps that are against other camps. For example, uh, someone might be, you know, totally pro-fat and another person might be anti-fat, right? Um, and typically this spirals into the argument of vegans and vegetarians against, you know, primal people and paleo people and keto people. And so you have this going on all the time. So at this point, there's no real agreed upon definition for many people about what is healthy. Because if you talk to a vegetarian or, or a vegan, they're going to think that eggs and bacon are extremely unhealthy um, and have all kinds of issues with you saying that those are healthy. Now, if you talk to someone who's primal, paleo, perhaps, and 
uh, you know, keto, they're going to have the exact different way of looking at this. Now, then add on to that when we look at clinically, right? And, you know, you start working with thousands and thousands of people or in my case, tens of thousands of people sort of in person in terms of, uh, you know, sort of in the clinic and working with groups in the gym and clients in the gym and in the clinic. And then also hundreds of thousands and now millions uh, online. I have sold over a million programs of my most popular programs, Aftershock, uh, Prime, Metabolic Renewal. And then when you throw in the books, same thing. And you get an awful lot of feedback with that. And one of the things you start to learn when you're working with different individuals is that your way of doing things doesn't work for everyone. And also, clinically, if you try to just do cookie cutter approach and do everything in the clinic, keto based or vegetarian based or according to what works for you, you see that you fail most of the people most of the time. And so you immediately start realizing that there is not one way to eat. And this is partly um, what my whole uh, sort of um, education has been around. If I had one wish as it pertains to the health and fitness industry, I would say, let's stop treating humans the same. We are not the same. We need to treat individuals as individuals. We need to understand the differences between men and women. And we need to understand the differences between uh, every single individual, right? And so this is an important uh, consideration. If you look out there in the research, you'll see that there are certain things that older adults need versus younger uh, humans versus females versus males versus women who are going through menopause versus women who are pregnant, etc. And when you get more granulated, you just go, well, everyone's a little different. So is it helpful to divide people into groups? Sure, it can be. But is that really what we want to do? And is that really what you're after when you're looking for advice on what to do? And so this is why I think we need to be thinking about metabolism versus just health. And the reason why is because the metabolism is speaking to you all of the time. And so from my perspective, wouldn't it be a better approach to do a thing and then actually know is it working or not? And so one of the first places I'll start here, and this is something you've heard from me many times, but where I have gotten to and what I believe and what I think the research is, is showing more and more and what I think is the only logical conclusion to all of the work I have done, all of the research that's out there and all the discussion that's going on is to simply say we are all different. Now, this opens up a, a complete can of worms because now it essentially goes, well, if we're all different, that means it's all just trial and error, right, Jade? And in a sense, yes, that's correct, but it doesn't have to be that confusion because we can draw large parallels and big sort of concepts from the research body and from clinical experience, especially when you put that together. So this brings up the idea of evidence-based medicine of health and fitness. Now, what a lot of people get confused here is they hear the word evidence-based and a lot of lay people who throw the word evidence-based around don't actually know what it means. So let's talk about that here in just a minute, because the when I get to sort of my recommendations for what we should be doing, um, the big general rules and then how to tweak that as an individual, I really am going to take an evidence-based approach. Now, an evidence-based approach is not just reading research. It can't be. And here's why. Research is not a tool for individuals. It's a tool for averages. In other words, research is a fantastic tool to give us good ideas what will work for most people. However, most people are not individuals. And so we also need to account for that. And so the evidence base is absolutely critical in terms of the research, reading what it is, what we think we might know for most people. But then we also have to say, but what about the individuals? How do we deal with that? Well, there's two other aspects to evidence-based medicine. One is the body of research that's out there. And then there's two other aspects to evidence-based health and fitness. The other one is clinical experience, right? Think about it. Who would you rather work with? Somebody who, if you're, if you're trying to become an Olympic athlete, right? Would you rather work with a coach who has brought um, 100 people to the Olympics and of those 100 people, 20 of them have won gold? Or would you rather work with someone who's read all the research, never actually coached anybody, but has read all the research 
on sports performance and all of that kind of stuff. Almost everyone's going to say, no, I want the coach. I want the person who has the practical knowledge on the ground. I don't want to talk to somebody in an ivory tower who's just reading this out of a book and doing experiments. I want someone who's worked with individuals and can work with me as an individual. So, yes, we need the research body, but yet, but the, the science and the research. But we also need clinical experience. We need people who have worked with lots of people. We, that's why coaches are sort of the expert that most people go to because they just go, well, this person may not be as well book read, let's say, as a PhD, but they certainly have worked with enough people to figure some things out, right? So there's that. That's two parts. Now, the third part is the actual individual who's wanting the results sitting in front of you. So you have to take into account things like their personal preferences and their practical circumstances and the way they psychologically relate to the world. Right. So you can have a command of physiology in terms of your understanding of research. You can have a command of sort of the different aspects of working with different people and what seems to work for certain types of people. But you also then need to understand that person sitting in front of you. And this is why I oftentimes say when you're going to devise a program, those of you who want to know, hey, Jade, tell me where to start with this. You want to realize that you are different. You are different in your physiology, your psychology, your personal preferences and your practical circumstances. Let's just go through that briefly. Physiology, meaning your genetics and the way your metabolism expresses itself. Right. So obviously you have a particular genetics, a particular shape of, of the body. For example, some of my genetics I'm a fast oxidizer of caffeine. I'm a type 2 dominated muscle fiber individual. I tend to be somewhat um, mesomorphic um, in, in terms of more, a, more of a muscular person versus a thin or more endomorphic person. And so these things matter. I also know that certain foods that um, you know, might not spike your blood sugar do for me. I also have thyroid issues, right? I have Hashimoto's thyroiditis. I have a low thyroid function. I have to take thyroid meds. Um, I have a particular way that my physiology expresses itself. Certain things I crave, um, certain things that I know I need to do to keep me full. Maybe, you know, plain white rice and things like that make you full and keep you full for long and don't spike your blood sugar. If I do that, I'm ravenous. It spikes my blood sugar. So we need to understand physiologically what is going on here? Now, psychologically is also, I'm not someone who is very worried. I don't get anxiety. I don't I tend not to get depression. Um, stress doesn't make me necessarily stress eat. Um, it Stress normally makes me work out less though. Um, so, you know, stress has or, or impacts my sleep. And so this is me. I need to understand that maybe for you, stress makes you not eat. Or maybe for others, it makes you eat or doesn't impact your sleep. Or maybe you want to sleep more. This is all important. And then, of course, your personal preferences. You know, I like wine. I like pasta. I like chocolate. I There are certain things that I don't necessarily want to cut out. I enjoy going out and having deep conversations uh, over a drink and, you know, things like that. Maybe uh, you don't. You have other personal preferences. It is sort of crazy in my mind to help someone with their lifestyle and take away everything that they love and expect them to make that lifestyle a lifestyle that lasts. And then finally, there's practical circumstances, right? Like I live in um, downtown Asheville. I live in everything's walkable to to me. Um, when I was in Santa Monica, same thing. I could walk to a Whole Foods. I have income that makes it possible for me to buy Whole Foods. Um all of these kinds of things. Some people live in food deserts, right? And they're shopping, you know, at Costco or Walmart or even an Exxon Mobil station, right? So we all have these things and these things matter. So when we talk about the evidence base, yes, it's research oriented. And by the way, just in that aspect, if you're someone who's reading nothing but keto research and fasting research or any of that kind of stuff, guess what? You're missing out on all the rest of the research. And if you're someone who's only working with keto people or only working with vegetarians, you're missing out on people who benefit from other things. Right. And so all of this is important. So what I want to present today is what do I mean then by how we live metabolically? Essentially, the only way to solve this conundrum in my mind and the conundrum is this. We're all different. And there's some trial and error involved. And that is important. But the conundrum is humans don't like that. 
And it's confusing for someone who does not know what to do. And so we need to provide structure to individuals. And so this is where the first part of this evidence-based discussion comes in. We can go to the research body. And when we go to the research body, we don't want to go and be narrow-minded and biased in that and just look at one area of nutrition, for example. And I am going to focus on nutrition, not exercise for this particular discussion. But if we go into that area of just one area and we focus on a narrow-minded approach of just looking at vegetarian diets or the Mediterranean diet, what we're doing is we are limiting ourselves. What we want to do when we look at the evidence base is we want to go as broad as possible to understand how food is impacting us in general, humans in general, physiologically, psychologically, personal preference wise, practical circumstance wise, but mainly physiologically, because as soon as we get into psychologically, personal preferences and practical circumstances, things get way too varied. So in the beginning, we need to give you structure. So I am going to provide a structure, two ways to sort of look at this um, structure. And then we're going to go into how to adjust this. So the structure can be one of two things. The first one is very easy. If you're an individual who you know that you gravitate towards a certain way of doing things, maybe your girlfriend or your significant other or a family member or a coworker or a peer or someone you follow on social media does a particular thing like keto or vegetarian, and you just feel drawn to that. You're like, I want to try that. This is one way to do it, right? This is one way to start out where it's just like, I'm just going to follow that structure simply because I'm interested in it. And I quote, I wonder, right? And so from that perspective, that is a beautiful way to start. Just start with any type of protocol you want. For me, I am protocol agnostic. The, pro the problem, though, is, is that when you think the protocol is going to solve the problem, this is not a protocol. This is a process. So once you choose what you are going to do or try, that is the beginning of the process. And the process involves reading the metabolism, which is what I mean by living metabolic or metabolic living. Metabolic living means... I will let my metabolism guide me, not my bias and my dogma and, and some guru or jade or a book or some other thing that I read out there. I'm going to let my metabolism tell me. To me, this is what metabolic living is. Metabolic living is saying I'm going to take a metabolism first approach to this problem, which means I can start wherever I want, but then I'm going to turn around and ask my metabolism, hey, metabolism, how are you doing? Is this working for you? Now, to do that, you need to learn to speak the language of metabolism because metabolism doesn't speak English or Spanish or Finnish. It speaks metabolism. So you need to learn to speak the language of metabolism. So this is the first skill set that you need as an individual to learn to speak metabolism. Now, speaking metabolism is actually far easy than you think, far easier than you think. You do not have to um, understand the name of all these hormones that, that I have written about and other people have written about and everyone wants to talk about. All you need to know is how these hormones are impacting you. And by the way, when I say hormones, what are they impacted by? Well, they're impacted by the quality and the quantity of what you eat. So both are equally important. Calories and hormones, quality and quantity. You cannot separate the two. So once you choose the thing that you are gravitating towards, whether it be paleo, primal, vegan, vegetarian, fasting, keto, then you need to learn to understand what the metabolism is saying. Now, there are three aspects to this. If this is working for your metabolism and your metabolism is healthy, three things will happen. First thing that will happen is you will feel a difference in the way you function. Your metabolism will become metabolically, hormonally balanced. A Supercharged term, I understand, and a non-scientific term, but let's define it really quickly. What do I mean by 
metabolically, hormonally balanced. All this essentially means is that your metabolism is always searching for homeostasis. It's searching for balance. What that means to the metabolism is that it is not overly reacting in any way. It's not excessively hungry. Its energy is stable and predictable as opposed to unpredictable and unstable. Your sleep is um, appropriate and prolonged. It's long enough. It's deep enough. It goes through all the phases. Your mood is stable and you're not having cravings. You're also any signs and symptoms that you may have had, headaches, joint pains, things like that. Gas and bloating are getting better. Your ability to perform in terms of um, at work, in the gym, in the bedroom, in your creative pursuits are all getting better. Now, I refer to this whole idea of the vitality and the biofeedback that your body is sending you as schmeck in check, which everyone laughs at, <laughs> but it's memorable. And it's I've almost become famous for this, which is kind of funny to me, but it's a very simple idea. Schmeck is a, a way of quantifying the hormonal balance. So rather than talking about leptin, ghrelin, CCK, GIP, GLP, PYY, insulin, cortisol, um, you name it, kisspeptin, oxytocin, all these hormones, rather than thinking about that, because that can get overwhelming and confusing and we only know a fraction of the signaling molecules probably that we're going to know, Rather than worrying about all that, why don't we simply focus on the things that all of these hormones impact either directly or indirectly? So they are impacting things like sleep, hunger, mood, energy, cravings. Mostly that is an acronym, S-H-M-E-C or SHMEC. Now, SHMEC is also a catch-all phrase for all the other biofeedback sensations. So when I say schmeck, sleep, hunger, mood, energy, and cravings, I don't just mean sleep, hunger, mood, energy, and cravings. I mean the other things that hormones impact, like digestive capacity, um, gas and bloating, um, signs and symptoms, headaches, and bad breath, and joint pain, and all itchy skin, and, all, and acne, and all of these things, plus performance in the gym, in the bedroom, at your job, with your creative pursuits, etc. So Schmeck in check is the first thing, sleep, hunger, mood, energy, and cravings. If this protocol that you have chosen to follow is working, it's going to keep your Schmeck in check. That's the first thing it's going to do. The second thing it is going to do is it's going to help you attain or maintain, and perhaps more importantly, maintain optimal body composition. In other words, if you're already at a proper, um, you know, uh, body composition, muscle mass to fat ratio, it's going to help you stay there. If you're not there, it's going to further help to optimize that. Now, notice this is a little different than weight loss. What we're talking about here really is fat loss and muscle maintenance because we don't want to just lose weight. We want to look the part of a fit individual. The body wants to maintain its muscle mass and reduce its body fat to a healthy level. You don't want too low body fat. You don't want too much body fat. And you also want enough muscle. So as you age, this is shown to help you look good, feel good, function better, and live longer. And so you want optimal body composition. If you don't have a body fat scale, then doing something like measuring your weight and your waist is important here. So now we have two components of the three that we need. One, whatever the protocol you're doing should keep Schmeck in check, make you feel more vital. The metabolism should be talking to you and saying, hey, I'm happy. And by the way, Schmeck, paying attention to Schmeck and all other biofeedback sensations is speaking the language of metabolism. The metabolism is talking to you. So you need to learn to listen to it. How do you listen to it? by understanding Schmeck and using this idea of biofeedback to your advantage. Second, optimizing body composition, losing fat, maintaining or gaining muscle. Hugely important. That's the second part. The third part is essentially this idea that your vitals, your blood pressure, your blood sugar, your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your 
triglycerides or blood fats, your liver enzymes on a blood test, your fasting glucose, your hemoglobin A1C, all these markers that you get through directly measuring your vital statistics and or directly measuring labs should be optimizing. They should not be in unhealthy ranges. They should be in healthy ranges and moving towards those healthy ranges. Now, if you've achieved those metabolic hormonal balance as indicated by Schmeck, optimal body composition as indicated by losing fat and maintaining or gaining muscle and optimal blood labs and vitals, then this is the right approach for you. Those three components. I want to jump in real quick and tell you about one of my favorite new products. And to start out, I want to ask you a question. If you had to follow your friends around who are not the healthiest in the world and see what they are doing, what would be the number one thing you would probably tell them to do to start? For most people, that's going to be drinking more water, right? This is something that we talk about all the time in health and fitness. It's almost as if we think of it as an afterthought now because obviously water is so crucial. However, we oftentimes get this wrong. For example, did you know that when it comes to hydration, just drinking water can make things worse? Most people don't know this. Why? Partly because most people are over drinking water and under consuming the electrolytes that help water do its job. What we don't realize is that hydration is not just about water. It's about electrolytes, the minerals in there, as well as getting that water into the cells. And so you do not want to be over consuming water if you're not getting your electrolytes right. And this opens up a whole new discussion because most people are not getting their electrolytes right. For example, did you know that low sodium, too low sodium is an issue, just as much if not more so than high sodium? In other words, what we want if we're going to get the right electrolytes is to get the right amount of sodium and potassium and magnesium in the Goldilocks zone. We don't want too much. We don't want too little. We want it just right. This opens up a whole other thing here, too, because people who are exercising, doing sauna therapies, doing low-carb diets are disrupting and losing lots and lots of their electrolytes. For example, when insulin is not around and low-carb diets, you will excrete lots of sodium. In other words, under that state, exercising, low-carb diets, all these things, you actually need more sodium. And so if you're somebody who has been just drinking water, not paying attention to electrolytes, and also feeling fatigued, feeling like you're underperforming, not sleeping right, getting cramps, twitches, headaches, any of these things, then you are probably dealing with an electrolyte issue. This is where the product element comes in. This product has been a game changer for me and many, many of my patients and clients. This is a rehydration electrolyte beverage, basically. It is a powder of electrolytes formulated with 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams magnesium without the added sugar and other nonsense that comes in beverages like Gatorade. This stuff is basically a rehydration beverage on steroids. It is the thing that is going to replenish your electrolytes in the right ratios, decrease fatigue, really correct chronic dehydration. And by the way, many people are dehydrating themselves, becoming hyponatremic, low sodium, when they're consuming too much water. You need your electrolytes on board, especially if you are someone who is losing lots of sodium and other electrolytes through low-carb diets and lots and lots of exercise. This is where Element comes in. Element is a new sponsor to the Next Level Human podcast. I cannot recommend this product enough. I have been using this stuff for months now, and I have immediately seen changes in my energy levels. I feel like I'm operating on a whole other level, and I have seen this as being the primary thing that people who have been using Element have been telling me that their fatigue 
is getting better, especially fatigue that comes after very intense workouts that involve lots of sweating and lots of intense output from the nervous system. Please check out Element. Use the code next level, drinkelement.com. That's D R I N K L M N T.com. Drinkelement.com, and let's get back to the show. Sorry to break in. I want to cover one of my sponsors, Organify. Now, look, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, and many of you who know me well know this, but shockingly, I cannot stand vegetables. I really do not like vegetables. I have not liked them since a child. I think it has something to do with my mom who cooked everything just boiled. Boiled everything, no salt, no fat, no taste, period. And so I developed an extreme dislike for almost all vegetables. And still to this day, I have a difficult time getting in my fruits and vegetables. Well, Organifi started by my good friend, Drew Canoli, who I've developed a relationship over the years. And I am really sort of tickled that we finally get to do this together with Organifi sponsoring the Next Level Human podcast. Drew is a Next Level Human. Organifi is a Next Level Human company. I can't say enough about them. I'm excited for them to be on board as a sponsor for the Next Level Human podcast. My favorite products, let me tell you about them. They have a ton But I use three pretty much every day. I use Organifi Gold before I go to sleep. This is their turmeric tea based on sort of the old Ayurvedic golden milk. It is absolutely fantastic. It contains lots of different relaxing herbs, turmeric, tastes wonderful. And one of the things this has done for me is I had a very bad wine habit at night. It started out as just one glass of wine. Lately, it's turned into two, three, and sometimes a bottle. What I've done starting in 2021 is use Organifi. This is what I have in lieu of wine. And I sit there just like I used to sit with my wine and I have the Organifi Gold. I also use the green and red juice powders. I have never liked greens and reds juices, period. These powders to me always tasted like swamp water. I use one scoop of the greens, one scoop of the reds, first thing in the morning before my coffee. It has become a a ritual over the last several years. It is fantastic. Those are the ones I use the most. Of course, they have a great line of protein products and they have a new Organifi Gold Chocolate, which I have not tried yet, but I cannot wait to try that because you all know I love cocoa powder and use it for lots of different things, for cravings and everything else. Check out Organifi, Organifi Organifi.com. Use the code next level. Please take care of Organifi the same way they're taking care of the earth, doing amazing things as a company, and now taking care of the Next Level Human podcast so we can all be together and have these discussions. Organifi.com, use the code Next Level. Let's get back to the show. Here we go. So in this first sort of approach to figuring this out, you choose any protocol you want, any protocol you feel gravitational pull towards, and then you realize that this is just the beginning and I might need to tweak this approach or I may need to abandon it altogether. And your degree uh, of open-mindedness in terms of letting your metabolism lead is what I mean by metabolism first. It's not guru first. It's not Jade first. It's not the podcast I listen to first. It's not the documentary I listen to first. It's not the book that I read first. It's my metabolism first. You know your metabolism, or at least you should better than anyone. You need to listen to it and follow it and follow its guidance, not mine, not anybody else's, right? This is about understanding you as an individual. So this is the first approach. Now from there, this is where it starts to get a little bit complicated because then you go, well, Schmeck is not in check. Hunger and cravings are all over the place. My energy is unpredictable and unstable. And this is where you begin to get into what I would call the master's level of understanding lifestyle. At this point, you need to begin to understand which of the parameters that influence my metabolic function do I need to focus on? And this is where I come to this idea of the four M's of metabolism. Most people think there's only two aspects to this. They just think it's diet and exercise, which I would call meals and metabolics. Metabolics because 
anything that tries to stimulate the metabolism, right? And you oftentimes have heard from me, you really don't want a fast metabolism. You want a more flexible metabolism. Exercise, when done appropriately, enough but not too much, long enough but not too long, is not about necessarily speeding up the metabolism. It's about making the metabolism more flexible, more resilient, more functional, more optimized. And so what we want to be thinking about here is diet and exercise are just a particular component. So meals and metabolics are two of the four M's, but the other two M's are movement and mindfulness. Mindfulness meaning all about stress management. Mindfulness also includes things like meaning and purpose. And then movement has to do with activities of daily living, just moving, getting up and moving. Your body needs to move. Your body is made of water. So one way to think about this is if you have a pool of water that just sits still, right? Like a pool of water on the side of the road, what happens? It gets nasty, right? It gets all this gross stuff growing inside of it because it doesn't move. But flowing water stays what? It stays clear. So one very easy way to think about this is you must move. And I've talked about this a lot. Many, many of people have picked this up. This is, uh, you know, the idea of non-exercise associated thermogenesis, a very silly name in my mind. We probably should just say, get out there and move. Activities of daily living, walk. That's what we're talking about here. And that is different than uh, you know, what's going on with metabolics or exercise. And so once you see what is going wrong and you see, well, my metabolism isn't liking what I'm doing, then you can go to these four M's and say, where's the problem? Is it in my stress management, mindfulness, you know, the way I'm sleeping, the way I'm reacting to people, uh, the way I'm recovering, um, all of that kind of stuff, the way I am interacting with life in terms of reducing my stress burden? Or is it because I sit around all the time? Or is it because I'm eating the wrong foods? Or is it because I'm exercising too much or too little or too hard or too long or too short or uh, not intense enough? Right. And so you start looking in these four areas and this begins to become the tweaking process. And then within that, you begin to adjust. Now, I'm going to focus on um, the diet aspect of these four M's, but all of them are equally sort of important. So this is the first way to do this. Choose a protocol, understand the three components that the metabolism will speak to you. The metabolism will speak to you via Schmeck and biofeedback. It will speak to you via its body composition changes, and it will speak to you in terms of its changes in vitals and blood labs. And then you tweak based on the four M's. What am I doing mindfulness-wise to reduce stress, feel connected, you know, all of that kind of stuff. What am I doing movement-wise? Am I moving? Am I not moving? What am I doing meal-wise? And what am I doing uh, exercise-wise? Now, if I had to put these as a hierarchy, I would say mindfulness first. It's most important, most critical. Uh, movement second, and then meals, and then metabolics, exercise last. Interesting, right? Doesn't mean that's going to be the case for everyone because everyone's different. But isn't it funny that almost everyone would reverse that? They would be like diet or exercise first, diet second, right? And then they'd probably say mindfulness and movement are kind of an afterthought. So you want to be thinking about it this way. And then you begin to tweak the macronutrients and the different characteristics of food, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, because that's where most people are going to begin to get stuck or most people need help with. Because uh, figuring out what's going on stress-wise and reducing stress, this is critically important, but it's relatively easy to do that. It's also relatively easy to be like, I need to move more or move less. If I'm a nurse who's putting in 25,000 steps per day, that might be stressing me out. So maybe I need to decrease that amount of activity. If I'm someone who's not even getting 5,000 steps per day, I need to increase that amount of movement, right? So those are easier to deal with. We really get into the weeds with diet, which we're going to talk about here in just a minute. Which brings me to the second way of doing this. So one way is to pick a diet lifestyle protocol, do it, see how the metabolism responds. Always letting the metabolism guide you. That is the critical aspect of this. Metabolism first, metabolic living. I let my metabolism guide me, not some guru who thinks they know my metabolism better than me. They can't possibly, including Jade and anyone who's written books or any of this stuff. So the other way to do this is to take what I would consider the research body, the body of evidence out there in the world says is going to work for most people. 
So what is this approach, right? You might just say, well, Jade, what do you think is the best place to start? Well, the best place to start, I don't know because we're all individuals, but I can give you the structure that I think is going to work best for most people. And I would call this the idea of metabolic meals or metabolic foods. What exactly is the concept of a metabolic meal or a metabolic food? It's basically a food or a meal or a way of eating that makes your metabolism happy, <laughs> right? It makes your metabolism say, hey, I feel good. Thank you. Which means it keeps Schmeck in check. Well, we have a lot, a lot of research that tells us what this is. And so this is where you may want to take notes if you haven't been already. But there are components to this. So what would I call a metabolic meal, a metabolic food that is most beneficial for most people? Keeping in mind that this is just the starting point. Just like if you're going to pick a protocol, you still have to test and see if this is going to work. Well, it has to have several components. First of all, these foods or meals have to keep hunger and cravings and energy, heck, the heck part, H-E-C part of Schmeck, has to keep those things in check. If you are hungry all the time and craving all the time, you will never be able to achieve a calorie deficit. So to me, that comes first. These foods must do that. We know what does that best, and we'll talk about that here in just a minute, but they can't just do that. They also have to have low calories. For example, Nuts, things like walnuts, almonds, things like that are really good at uh, uh, satiating people and making them not feel hungry and taking away cravings. However, they also deliver a huge amount of calories. And one of the things you need to understand that most a lot of people are going to deny. And if you do this, then this is one of the reasons why you're not getting results. But I'm going to tell you this and I'm going to tell it to you definitively and knowing full well that a lot of you are just going to dismiss this. You can overeat healthy foods. Eating healthy has nothing to do with fat loss and weight loss. It has nothing to do with it, especially when we consider the first discussion we had that many people's version of healthy is some people's version of healthy is eggs and bacon. Other people's version of healthy is blueberries and oatmeal. And so eating healthy has nothing to do with weight loss and fat loss. Weight loss and fat loss has to do with two things primarily, achieving calorie deficits, keeping hormones and metabolism balanced or Schmeck in check. Those are the two things you need. So what are the foods that we know of from research for most people, not everyone, of course, but for most people are going to simultaneously keep hunger and cravings and energy in check while decreasing calories and a third component have lots and lots of nutrient density. What would those foods be? Again, what would these metabolic foods be? These foods would be foods that keep hunger, energy, and cravings in check, that have low calories, but come along with a whopping dose of good quality, healthy nutrients. These are going to be foods, and this has been studied up and down. This is a very evidence-based approach these are going to be foods that I call the, the five S's or the S's. Soups, salads, scrambles, shakes, stir fries, skillets, right? Soup, salads, scrambles, shakes, and stir fries slash skillets. More specifically, low fat, low starch. Soup, salads, scrambles, shakes, and stir fries. Now, why am I saying low fat and low starch? This is where every, this is where you have to watch your bias and your dogma. There is absolutely nothing wrong with starch or fat. Both are healthy. Depending on the individual, they may absolutely be more required than not. The fact of the matter is, though, they usually have less nutrients and most importantly, less hunger suppressing potential than things like lean meats, fruits, and vegetables. So when it comes to fats and starch, there's nothing wrong with them, but they don't control heck as well as vegetables, fruits, and lean protein. They don't tend to have the same nutrient density as lean proteins and fruits and vegetables, and they don't tend to have, perhaps most importantly, they are much higher in calories. They are also way tastier. So not only are they higher in calories in a sense, but you can overeat them. So you can make the argument and you should make the argument if you're savvy that there, well, there's four calories per gram and, uh, you know, for carbs and there's four calories per gram of protein. So you're wrong when you say carbs have more calories, Jade. 
The fact of the matter is, though, protein is extremely satiating versus carbohydrates, which are not as satiating for most people. Now, if you are someone that already knows that carbs are very satiating for you, then you have to honor that. And by listening to your metabolism, you will figure that out. But as a introduction into where to start, just the beginning of where to start, eat metabolic foods. These are low fat, low starch, super salad, scrambles, shakes, and stir fries primarily. In other words, lean protein, fruits, and vegetables. Why lean protein, fruits, and vegetables? Because the research is very clear on this. And anyone who disagrees with this just needs to go into the research and read in a non-biased way. Fat is not the most satiating macronutrient for the vast majority of people. Protein is. Matter of fact, fat may indeed be last, but there is some argument in the research between carbs and fat. And part of that argument has to do with how much fiber is in the carbohydrate. Fat is the least satiating macronutrient for most people and the least thermogenic. This is very, 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 I can't say very enough, clear in the research. It's very clear in the research. It is completely unclear and exactly the opposite is being taught by gurus, books out there, popular documentaries, etc. Now, whether or not you can get over your bias with that or not doesn't matter because if you're listening to your metabolism and putting the metabolism first and taking a metabolism first approach, all of this is going to fix itself because you may be someone who fat is the most important thing to keep hunger and energy and cravings in check. You'll find out very quickly. But what I'm saying is eat metabolically in general. This is low fat, low starch, soup, salad, scramble shakes and stir fries, essentially chicken and broccoli, white fish and broccoli. Um, lean steak and greens, um, lean vegan sources of protein, you know, egg whites and uh, greens and things like that. Now, again, egg yolk is probably one of the healthiest things on the planet. So I'm not telling you to eliminate egg yolks because um, they're bad for you or anything like that. I'm simply just saying, if you really want to get serious about this, start with the most hunger suppressing foods with the lowest amount of calories and the highest nutrient density. Egg whites are going to be more hunger suppressing and lower calorie than egg yolks. Not as nutrient dense though. The point here though is protein, fiber, water, protein, fiber, water, protein, fiber, water, which is another way of saying chicken and broccoli, which is another way of saying soup, salad, scramble, shakes, and stir fries. Then to that, as you begin to eat that meal, just like we talked about before, you pick a protocol, vegetarianism, keto diet, whatever it is, you pick a protocol, you follow it, your metabolism is going to start speaking to you. Schmeck is going to be in check or not. Body composition is going to correct itself or not. Uh, vitals are going to move in the right direction or not. So now what I'm telling you is eat super salad, scramble shakes, stir fries, low fat, low starch, soup, salad, scramble shakes and stir fries. Let your metabolism speak to you in terms of is my schmeck in check? Is my body composition correcting itself? Are my vitals getting better? And then you add enough, but not too much of these other elements. You start adding in and rounding out the diet, putting in the very nutritive fats and the healthy carbohydrates seeing if they satiate you more, seeing if you're someone that needs to eat a little bit more fat and a little less carb or someone who needs a little more carb and a little less fat. And you begin to tweak and adjust in this way. I call this the aim process, by the way. I'm not going to go through it here, but I have in past and I've gone through it in my books. But essentially it's assess. What are you assessing? Three things I told you. Schmeck, body comp, vitals, and then investigate which of these things are moving in the right direction or not, and then modify your diet in response to that. And so this is the way you find out whether fat is useful or not for you, whether carbohydrates are useful or not for you. Um, this is the way you find this out. This is the approach of letting the metabolism speak for you instead of letting gurus speak for you. Let your metabolism tell you what works for you. This is how you want to be thinking about this. And yes, I know it's not as simple as, hey, just go on a weekend fast and hey, just keep your ketones between one and three on a keto meter. I know it's not as simple. It works better over the long run because I can tell you anyone with enough discipline and a big enough why 
can lose weight and fat simply by starving themselves and, and you know, exercising like crazy. The fact of the matter is that won't last. And 95% of people who do that gain the weight back and 66% of those people end up fatter. The biggest losers end up becoming the biggest gainers because they're not taking this approach. So what I am presenting and what I am committed to continue to present is I will not do the fad stuff for you. If you want that, you can go to a million other books, a million other podcasts, a million other places. What I am going to present to you is that what I deem the only way it has ever worked, and that is finding what works for you. And I'm giving you the beginning process of how to do that. So when you say, Jade, where should I start? This is where you should start. You should start with a metabolism first approach. You should let your metabolism lead the way in all the ways I just described. And that is going to get you slowly but surely to the approach that will work for you. And here's what's beautiful about that. And the final thing I'll say before we end this podcast, what's beautiful about this approach is it's not a protocol. It is a process, which means when the metabolism changes, which it will with stress, with pregnancy, with just changes in lifestyle, um, all of these things, andropause, menopause, pregnancy, perimenopause, illness, stress, etc., aging, your metabolism changes. And as it changes, the protocol approach needs to change. However, as your metabolism changes, the process, you'll get better and better at figuring out because all you have to do is repeat the process versus searching around for another protocol that may or may not work well for you. All you have to do is repeat the process. Go back to soup, salad, scramble, shakes, and stir fries. Low fat, low starch, soup, salad, scramble, shakes, and stir fries. Then measure schmeck, body composition, and vitals, and all of that kind of stuff, and make your adjustments from there. Add in some fat, maybe. Take out some fat, maybe. Add in some carbs, maybe. Take out some carbs, maybe. This is the approach that you want to be taking. The metabolism first approach. Thanks so much for hanging out on the podcast today. I hope you enjoyed this one. I hope it answered the, the question for you. And I hope it kind of gives you the hard, fast truth about metabolism. If you want me to cover particular topics and things like that, shoot me a DM, send an email to support at jtita.com. And please do me a favor. One of the things I don't often ask for this because I'm just weird with stuff like this. I'm like, you know, but it does make a difference. If you can go over to, um, you know, your favorite podcast platform and write a review for this particular podcast, if you're someone who's really been, um, you know, enjoying this, I get a lot of DMs from you guys uh, and, and you know, guys and girls essentially saying, I love the podcast, binge listening to the podcast. I love this particular episode. I would really, really appreciate and love if you would um, do that on the Apple iTunes and give me a review. And what I would love too is I'd love to know who you are. So you give me a review, take a screenshot of your review. DM me on the social medias and just say, hey, Jade, I just want to let you know I gave you some love so I can see you and see your face and connect with you directly. I appreciate you all so much. Thanks so much for hanging out on the podcast and I will see you on the next episode.